AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Wheat futures added on to losses throughout the session. That anchored corn prices, even with front-month bean futures, trading to double-digit gains. Cattle futures kept last week's upside recovery rolling, while lean hog futures gave back a bit of last week's late rally. Live with Dusty Loafers via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, it's a conversation with Pete Meyer from Muddy Boots Ag. (laughs) Later, Kerry Artek from ArtekAdvisory.com. Directly following the news, Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. I'm the handsome newsman, Davis Michelson. And now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. There are a lot of people out there that would be wondering, now, where exactly did you pick up this mud? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, with as dry as it is across the country? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I get it. Dusty loafers. Dusty yeah. loafers. Well done, Davis. Well, thank you. Well done. Thank you yeah. very much. Actually, my, my loafers did get a little muddy over the weekend. We had a pretty decent rain down here in, in uh, northwestern Missouri. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's part of the, the part of the reason that we are seeing some pressure yep. on wheat prices right now. We did pick up some rains, and there's more rain expected in uh, winter wheat country. I can't just say hard red winter wheat country. Because it's expected in your area and and over into the eastern Corn Belt as well. So, mm-hmm. welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. If you don't remember, it, hi. I I'm think Chip. they remember. I was reminding them all week long. Don't worry, he will be back. Oh, yes, thank he'll you. be back on Monday. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, don't want to let him forget. I could feel the nope. concern among the audience. You know what? Hey, mm-hmm. I didn't say anything this morning. Uh, no. But I listened to several of the shows uh, oh. last week. Uh-huh. You and Michelle Rook uh, yeah. were fantastic. Well, thank you, you very did, much. It, I mean, it makes me feel like I could just kind of get up and walk away from this anytime, and, and we'd be just fine. Brother, we were barely hanging on. What is the that, listeners don't I didn't know get is that what feeling. was going on. Yeah, no. I know. I know. We had enough bubble gum and duct tape that we got it done, but <laughs> oof. It was close. Oh, good grief. <laughs> well, Looking forward to it, the buddy. conversation with Pete Meyer coming up here yeah. in just a little bit. We'll find out what's going on in the markets uh, from you and from Jack Scoville and charts at the end of the hour with Carrie Artak. All right, buddy, let's get to it. What you got in the news? Well, Chip, recent rains in the U.S. Southern Plains and a forecast for more rain in the near term, limited buying interest in wheat futures today, the lack of a fresh Bullish headline and a failure to clear resistance at last week's high also attracted fresh selling to the wheat market today. Wheat export inspections weekend of December 14 totaled nearly 285,000 metric tons, and that was in line with trade expectations. But total wheat shipments are still 22% behind the year ago pace compared to USDA's export forecast that exports will fall just 4.5% from a year ago. Some catch-up to do there, Chip. No, March HRW wheat futures today, 15 cents lower, 6.27 and three quarters. March SRW wheat down 12 and a quarter, 6.17. March spring wheat close at 7.21 and a half, down nine and one quarter cents. Chip, a hint of low-volume holiday trade perhaps here as well? 
Oh, definitely. Definitely, mm-hmm. Davis. There's, yeah. Uh, w- one thing that I want to point out is look at that spring wheat market, how it's built a significant premium to the winter wheat markets. There, yeah. There's some uncertainty with what's going on with spring wheat, not only in the U.S., but in Canada. Well, chip losses in wheat futures anchored corn throughout the session. March corn opened slightly lower and near session highs and then drifted downward to close near session lows. Today's close in March corn was the lowest since November 29, clearing the way for a test of long-term support at the November 29 low of 470 and one half. Export inspections of corn in the weekend of December 14 totaled just over 947,000 metric tons, and that was at the top end of trade expectations. Meanwhile, drought in central Brazil is making growers there exceptionally cautious. Growers are reportedly delaying fertilizer purchases until they know they will be planting a safrina corn crop. March corn futures today, six cents lower, 477. May corn down five and three quarter cents, 489 and a half. July corn futures closed at 499 and a half. That's down five and a quarter. The corn market following the wheat market here, Chip. We saw a little yeah. bit of that last week. Yeah, I, I definitely think that that was yeah. the case today. Uh, you know, on the upside recovery, corn was trying to follow wheat to the upside. Now with, with wheat <laughs> turning back down, yeah. corn's going to stick with it. I don't think there's any question. Well, soybean futures extended mid-morning gains throughout the afternoon, with January futures ending the session near the day's high. Export inspections of soybeans in the weekend of December 14 totaled 1.41 million metric tons. That was at the top end of trade expectations. Soybeans advanced today despite the lack of a daily export sales announcement. That snapped an eight-day streak of bean sales to China or unknown destinations. Hot and dry conditions in central Brazil are expected to continue. Crop watchers evaluating yield damage at this time. January beans 11 and a quarter cents higher, 1327. March beans up 8 and one half cents to 1340. May beans closed at 1350 and three quarters. That's up seven and three quarter cents, Chip. Yeah, the product markets work together to push the beans to the upside today. March meal up $4.80 a ton, back above 400 bucks a ton. And March bean oil up 59 points to 50.74. Well, March cotton today, 83 points lower, 79.10. On the livestock side, cash cattle bids were lower again last week, and the boxed beef market was widely mixed to start the week with choice graded boxes 256 lower and select boxes 247 higher. Movement Mm. was slow. Still, the cattle complex used the setback in corn prices to close higher. February fat cattle, 27 and one half cents higher today, 169.62 and a half. The April contract up 65 to 173.50. January feeders, $2.27 and one half higher, 223.17 and one half. And quickly on the snout side, lean hog futures mixed, nearby futures lower, back month futures higher. Feb hogs, 32 and a half lower, 71.57 and a half. The April contract down a nickel, 78.57 and one half. Chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Jack Scoville, Price Futures Group. How you doing, Jack? Are you there, buddy? Hmm. Hmm. Let's check that mute yeah. button. Yeah. Interesting. Hello, Jack. Well, let's move on a little bit. Well, yeah. What do you think uh, Jack says, might have said? Yeah, it says... Uh, Says he's unmuted, but we're still having a little trouble getting to him here. Play with it there in the studio and see if we can get him back on here. Uh, I was going to ask him about this move that we saw in the soy complex today because when you've got the soybean market, soybean Mm -hmm. meal, soybean oil, market all trading to the upside, uh, uh, that that is a positive tone to the day, no question about it. 
Bean Oil was mm-hmm. kind of a lagger on the mm-hmm. trade. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and you know, I would say, especially when you consider that crude oil was a buck to or buck 15, buck to buck 20 higher. Yeah. Today. I, yeah, I was going to throw in, you move, you move WTI below 70, and I think soybean oil has no choice but to take notice. Right, right. And so we're going to talk about this bean oil market a little bit and exactly where the demand is going to be coming from, where mm-hmm. the demand might shut off. We've mm-hmm. talked about that before, but uh, we, w- we will get into it. Plus, w- we talked uh, about some of the growing conditions down in Brazil. What did we learn from the growing season here mm. in 2023 that we can apply to what is happening in Brazil right now? Yeah. I don't know if there's anything that we can do. No, there's got to be know, something. I think you're it, onto something there. You know, it's it's different management. It's definitely different soils. It's a different it's language. It's a different bean. Yep. But still, what what can we use? We're going to talk about that. With Pete Meyer from Muddy Boots Ag coming up here in just a bit. I was going to tell Jack, happy, uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. So, Merry oh. Christmas, Happy New Year, Jack. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. My CB's that is, working. That, that is Davis. What was your handle? Uh, my handle? The Blue Goose. That's true. That's true. Seriously? Yep. Except my grandpa converted it when he saw me trying to drive a tractor. He, he converted it to the spruce goose, which I didn't fully understand at the time. Yeah? Yeah. Apparently, this, <laughs> the uh, spruce goose, as we all know, didn't, did not really fly very well. No. And it was, it was a big, uh, whole big thing. It didn't turn out to be much of anything. That's right. I'm That's not sure it. who's right, but I do like the color blue. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us. Let's get into this conversation with Pete Meyer from Muddy Boots Ag. Pete, welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? Chip, thanks for having me. Happy holidays to you and and all your listeners. Fantastic. Fantastic. Muddy Boots Ag. Tell me about that. We have uh, 222 employees worldwide. No, I'm only kidding. It's just me. Um, (laughs) So 
you know, I've, I've gone the independent route um, after parting ways with S&P, which was fine. It was a great 12 years. But I wish I could take total credit for the title. So the title comes from two different places. A, I've always been a fan of David Letterman. I found him to be extremely funny. Okay, I'm an old guy, so yeah. maybe some of your listeners don't think he's funny. I always thought it was funny. His company, his production company yeah. is called Worldwide Pants. Yeah. You know, it's just just had nothing to do with anything. So I thought that was funny. Yeah. So I thought, ah, I'll be thinking of something else. So a few years ago on crop tour, it was a, a nice uh, lady from Bloomberg was in my truck and she had some guy following us who was a photographer and it was raining harder than a cow <laughs> pissing on a flat rock. You know, it was just <laughs> coming down all over the place. And and I go into these fields and whatever. And next thing I know, he sends us these pictures. And, and what he has is, is that he's, he sent me a picture from my knee down in a cornfield getting a sample and my boots covered it or basically sunk in the mud almost yeah. up to my ankles. Yeah. So that's how I came up with muddy boots. Uh, basically love it. Independent, cons- independent consultant at this point. And uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Good, good. And still staying active. I'm sure in uh, oh, yeah. what's happening in the markets. Yeah, very, very much. So really yeah. not, not as much on a day to day. I mean, how excited can you get about a fifty cent range in corn? And you know, mm-hmm. how many times are we going to hear about about a disaster uh, in the crop in South America? Right. And more focused on, you know, what the kind of, kind of my sweet spot, which is the renewable fuel space. And there has yep. been some uh, some information coming out about that, especially around sustainable aviation fuel. But at the moment, I mean, the market is really really kind of focused on on Brazil. And, um, you know, my, my thing here, Chip, is that I get it, right? I mean, the USDA has South America at 211 million metric tons between Argentina and Brazil and soybean production, right? Yep. And last year, last year, they were at 183. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say Brazil's below 150. Totally, totally possible, right? Sure. So let's say, it's com- let's say combined now, they're still 183. And it's so that's a that's a loss yeah. of 28 million tons. And when these and when people are looking at the markets and saying, well, geez, if it's the same as last year, this time last year, we were we were dollar fifty higher. Yeah. We were at 1470, not at 1320. Here's my theory on that, Chip. In order for us to move higher, we have to commodities in general have to attract money flow. Now, yes. we've seen the bond, the bonds are up seven or eight full points from the bottom. Right. right. Where's that? Where's that money flow gone? You can tell you where it is because you look at it today. The Dow Jones and the S&P are near record highs. Mm-hmm. The money is not going into commodities, no matter how bullish a story everybody wants to tell about it. Right. Because the inflation story is old. We are yep. last year at this time. We were still in an inflation story. Oh, what's the Fed going to do? Going to raise, going to do this, going to do this. Now, I, for one, am not a believer that the Fed is going to make three and three plus interest rate cuts next year which yeah no which way it seems like the, the like the market is saying but still it's it's the inflation story is just old and we have this problem with the supply story all the time right let's look at crude oil okay opec plus cut opec plus cut opec plus cut crude oil below 70 bucks okay now today we're trading at 73 dollars or whatever okay we have these issues in the red sea obviously there yep. was some some stuff there. We had a nice rally today, but these these stories just don't have enough sticking power to them. And if, uh, from where I sit, I just don't see the money running into 
running into commodities anytime yeah. soon because it certainly it certainly does seem like inflation's an old story and we're going to end up here with a soft landing. The story the story that has to change direction of the money flow, not just attract Correct. more. And when you got to change direction of that money flow, you know as well as anyone, Pete, that takes a big story. It takes a change oh, yeah. in in fundamental outlook. Now, do I think do I think the stock market uh, should be at record highs? No, probably not. Right? I mean, okay, but I mean the fact that the fact of the matter is this money has to flow somewhere, and as you suggest, it takes an unbelievable story to get the money to flow into commodities. And right. and for the previous two years, we've seen that where we're where inflation was the big story. Now inflation's not a story anymore. It's yep. just not. Yep. Yeah. The last so, surviving dimes of that inflation bull bull market money has flowed as aggressively out of the cattle market as I've ever seen money leave a market. Boy, and, if you if 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 you pick a market that that is very reflective of what's going on, yeah, I mean that yeah. money that cat that cattle money is so fickle or was so fickle. I mean, you know, it just, you know, I, these things, you know, when they're moving in the direction of the investment or de-investment or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They become self-fulfilling prophecies, but after a while, it just, it just, the merry-go-round stops and yep. you do not, we don't want to be the last person holding on to that pole. Yep. That's right. That's right. Okay. In addition to all of that, and we're going to get to the renewable, um, Renewable yeah. diesel and the biofuels yep. markets here before we're done yep. talking. But I don't know many people that watch the crops and, and watch crops develop as, as closely as you do. What surprised you from the 23 crops here in the U.S.? Well, you and I, we stood in front of the hotel at the last day on crop tour, and you said, what do you think? And I said, I think it's last year's yields. And I was wrong. I mean, corn, you know. The chance of corn going, the corn yield going down now from from November's one seventy four nine is probably not not going to happen, right? That's no. just historically, it just doesn't go. The bean the bean yield can go down a little bit. I mean, last year's bean yield was forty nine and a half, and you know we're a little bit, but I you know the resiliency of the crop certainly surprised me. Um, I would say that you know when we start to look forward to twenty four, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, last year the beginning of the year. Or maybe it was the end of the year last year. You said to me, "Hey, Pete, where are you for next year's yields?" And I think I gave you like a a one seventy seven or one seventy seven and a half. And, and gratefully so, you said, "Well, wait a minute, Pete. You know that's a record high." Yeah. I think though, Chip. I think we really have to. You think about what this crop could have been. What this oh. crop could have been. I mean, you look at this ear count. Okay, it got in during a dry a dry spring. What does that mean? You had tremendous plant pop. Yeah, the moisture was terrible in some places, but it is remarkable that we're still going to end up with a 175 corn yield. Yeah. Remarkable. Yep. So, you know, I, I, you know, and what does that tell you about South America? Yeah, don't bury right. that thing yet. I mean, you know, okay, you know, when the beans got planted late and then, the, and then now the safrina crop is going to be planted late, you know, we kind of, we kind of got to be, we kind of got to be careful there. I don't really, I'm trying to get my hand, uh, my uh, head around how many acres they're going to plant. You know, everything yeah. is kind of weight. It's kind of a mess. But I think that, you know, I, th I, I think you and I have kind of had a brief conversation before this. And you say, 
you know, how do you evaluate yield potential for the upcoming U.S. crops? Yeah, I, I, I think especially in corn chip, you're, you would be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't think it was going to be a record. And, and yeah. look, the record is only really two bushel from here, right? Two and a half bushel, let's say. Let's say we're at 175 and the, and the old and the old record is what, 176, 7 or 176, 8, something like that. Mm-hmm. Hey, <laughs> think about the weather. We're, we're only, you know, a bushel yeah. and a half or, or whatever it is behind it. Now, I, I do listen to some of the bank analysts and the bank analysts are all over the seed companies. By saying, well, you know, when we look at the last, let's call it 10 years of yields, we've really only been between 167. We've only had a 10-year, uh, a 10-bushel spring uh, yeah. swing between high and low. And to me, that looks like the yield is flattening. Well, I get that side of the argument as well, especially in corn, right? I mean, really, if you go back to 2014, uh, you know, 2015, I think the low is 168 or whatever. I mean, we really haven't had much. So yeah. there's two sides of that story. But boy, I think you have to start with a with a very good yield potential, in my opinion. Yeah, start with a record corn yield until proven otherwise. I think that might be the safest yeah. way to go about it. We need to talk about that just a little bit more because of how dry it is in key corn growing areas right now. How does that set the stage? Let's talk acres, and then let's talk biofuels. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes. For March, HRW wheat futures were 15 cents lower, 627 and three quarters. March SRW wheat down 12 and one quarter to 617. March corn futures were six cents lower today, 477. May corn down five and three quarter cents to 489 and one half. January soybean futures were 11 and one quarter cents higher today, 1327 at the close. March beans up eight and one half cents to 1340. March cotton 83 points lower, 79.10. On your livestock's February fat cattle 27 and one half higher today, 169.62 and a half. January feeder futures gained two dollars 27 and one half to 223.17 and one half. February hogs 32 and one half cents lower, 71.57 and one half. Hey, try profarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Our name says it all. AgriTalk, what more do you need to know? Welcome back. 
I'm Chip. We're in the middle of a conversation with Pete Meyer from Muddy Boots Egg. Pete, you know, you said something about interest rates in the last segment and how the market is anticipating three cuts to the Fed funds rate in 2024. I think that's crazy thinking. And I may be yeah, wrong, but, but three three cuts means that the economy needs stimulating in a big way. Yeah, I don't I don't see it. I mean, I, I think you get maybe two, but, you know, three plus is really, it's, it's actually over three seems to be priced into the Fed now. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I think you, they re, they really have to tread carefully here if they do want the, want the soft landing. Otherwise you can, you can turn it, you can turn it real quick the other way. And then yeah. that, that would be, yeah, that would be a, a real problem. I, I do not. And, you know, as much as everybody picks on the Fed, and Jay Powell and everybody there, I do not envy that position because it's a huge balancing act between, you know, not going far enough either way. Right. Yeah. yeah and yep. it's 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 very difficult. So I, but my personal opinion um, is that, you know, I, I think two is probably good for next year. Uh, yeah. But this three plus and, and like you said, we both could be dead wrong. But, boy, it's going to yeah. have to see some you're going to have to see some pretty good growth here to get three plus. Yeah. Uh, it- and and not only that, if you start cutting, well, I should shouldn't have said not only that. If you cut rates by three quarters of a point in one year, you're taking bullets out of the out, out of the chamber. Yep. Because if you got to yep. fire later in some way to incentivize growth, you yep. you're <laughs> yeah yeah I don't I, I, as I said I don't I don't envy them at all. It's a right. it's a it's a very difficult balancing act. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, we talked about corn yields kind of you know plan on a record corn yield until proven otherwise what about the dry conditions that we've got in the midwest what what's that do to your concern or expectations i don't really know you know where to where to go with acres i mean if we had this conversation two months ago i would have said certainly based on the economics uh it would have been you know, you would have been planting more, even more corn next year, which would have been a scary, scary thought. But I think now the acreage number, I mean, you really have to, if you want to get a good handle on the acreage number, you really have to look at some of the regional prices that are out there for next year. And in some places like Ohio, you know, which had a very nice corn crop this year, that they're actually incentivizing soybean acres, you know, when you yeah. look at when you look at where they are. So I think we have a long way to go here, Chip. I mean, like I said, a month ago, I probably would have said, yeah, I can see corn acres going up and bean acres kind of staying flat and, and whatever. And now I, I, I just don't know. It's uh it's, it's too, I'm sorry. You kind of, you know me for many years and I'm using yep. not this wishy-washy, but I just don't have anything. On but, that Pete, one, that one. but Pete, here's the deal. There are people out there that are saying, no, no, you're saying that wrong, Pete. You're saying that wrong. Uh, a couple of months ago, you would have thought bean acres would be up, corn acres would be down. And, no, I agree, well, and, and I agree with I said, how you're saying it. Right. I said, well, I think if we had this conversation three or four months ago, I would have felt that way because I because because the renewable space and the and the yeah. uh, and the amount of crush plants that were coming online. But then you have to. But then I looked at the economics of it, you know, and OK, the futures economics right. are not necessarily reflective of what it is in the region. And it looked like all corn like in, yeah. in October and November. And now it's kind of like, yeah, okay, you know, it, it's such a moving target. I, I just, I, I don't know. But I do think that, you know, a lot of the Illinois guys were kind of uh, disappointed in their corn crop last year. And they planted a lot of corn last year because it was so good 
in 22. And so they may be the ones that are kind of taking a look at it and, you know, we'll just kind of see, but there's that, that, that story is far from being written yet. In my right. Opinion. Yep. I hear what you're right. saying. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, we, I think we got good news from the treasury department for yep. corn-based ethanol for yep. use in sustainable aviation fuel at the end of last week. We had, uh, yep. uh, we had Troy, um, Jeez, bread and camp. Bread and camp. Yep. Uh, from Renewable Fuels on this morning to talk about it, Pete. Yep. And and there's still some unknowns here, aren't there? Well, yeah. I I mean, look. You know, I have been a I have I have been a proponent of this for for a long time from the demand side, and I've always said, and you notice, Chip, that the that sustainable aviation fuel was kind of the one that was hanging out in the background. Everybody was focused on renewable diesel that you were trying to force into three or four states on the west coast and you've reached a saturation point there and that's why you know bean oil is 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 hovering around 50 cents and certainly not not hanging out those price price action is not great right sustainable aviation fuel to me that's the that's the big one right so let's let's think about this 36 billion gallon industry (laughs) okay so if we just say if if we just say okay well we're going to convert you know, it's all going to be corn-based SAF. Let's just say, and it's not going to be right. And you're making, and you're getting three gallons. That's twelve billion bushels of corn a year. Okay, well, there's your crop. Go right. on and see it. Bye bye. Uh, you know, fly to friendly skies. We're out. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is, is that you know they want to use used cooking oil first. They want to use some other some other stuff first. But yeah. used cooking oil has a finite amount, and so in my opinion, it's 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 going to go to ethanol. Now the ethanol. A component is five gallons to three. It takes five gallons of ethanol to make three gallons of, of SAF. That's right. not economically feasible. When we look at the Treasury Department's guidance around the SAF credit, so the credit's going to incentivize the production of SAF that has a, a emission reduction of 50% as compared to uh, uh, regular oil-based, petroleum-based jet fuel, right? Right. They're el- so the SAF producer is eligible for a tax credit of $1.25 if you get to if you get to that fifty percent, every point you go below fifty percent, they're good. They will get it in in uh, greenhouse uh, gas emissions. You're going to get another penny. So you say, okay, well that's fifty percent. So if I get to zero, I'm going to get to a dollar seventy five a gallon. Yep. Now, how does a sustainable aviation fuel producer get to zero? Well, that's up to the U.S. farmer. And the U.S. farmer is going to have to prove that his or her corn, that they've used best practices in producing his or her corn, and they can literally determine their carbon intensity score per farm. Now, you say, how is that possible? Well, that's very possible. You and I both know a gentleman out in Western Iowa named Kelly Garrett. Yep. Kelly Garrett uses a lot of uh, of different types of liquid uh, fertilizer for his stuff that he gets from waste, that he gets from crush plants and this sort of mm-hmm. stuff. His farm has a negative carbon intensity score. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think the SAF producer is going to do? He's going to run to a guy like Kelly Garrett and say, holy crap, excuse my language, I can get $1.75 because now I ha- actually have a net a, a net negative carbon intensity score for his for his or her farm. Right. So now all of a sudden, it, you can't go any lower than zero in this case, according to the, according to the Treasury Department's guidance. So there you are. Now you're making $1.75. Well, guess what? The airlines, Delta, United, whoever you want to talk to, you know, they're pragmatic about it as well. 
and and the cost wasn't great, but now all of a sudden the cost brings it into line. Yeah. So this is yeah, this is very very good. At, this is very very good um, uh, yeah. news. Uh, there are there are a lot of points, right? The the DOE has their greet their GREET model, and mm-hmm. you need to do this and do that. I'm not saying it's going to be you know instantaneous, but it's gonna it's gonna take a while, and there's going to be a lot of work uh, done behind the scenes because that greet model has to has to be updated by March the first of of next year. Now okay. you know moving fo- moving forward, you know you're gonna you know I hear this I hear this from time to time where people say well. A lot of these people have these net zero or, or yeah, yeah, carbon net zero targets yep. for 2025. If we get past 2025, this thing is done. If you look at what the Treasury said uh, and you get past, you know, all the all the uh, the backslapping by Pete Buttigieg and, and, and the rest of them <laughs> about the Biden administration, you know, they're they're looking at a 2030 kind of target. Right. So, you know, this won't be this wouldn't be the first time that the goalposts get moved right so i i don't necessarily think that it's going away um and then also in 2025 you get this clean fuel production credit which is a section 45z i will not bore your um your listeners with it but that's a credit for clean fuel producers uh you know from qualified facilities for for three years from 25 through 27 that's uh you know 35 cents that's another 35 cents in sustainable aviation fuel you know blah 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 the yeah. money starts to add up here. It sure starts does. to add up. Yeah. It it really does. And you know, you you think about the incentives behind that you know, the, a, a an ethanol facility out there, an ethanol producer paying a premium to guys like Kelly, to guys like Mitchell Hora, uh that are working with a negative uh uh carbon intensity. Carbon intensity score. score. Yeah, that premium, I think it is going to be paid and it's going to be an incentive to guys for guys to get their CI down as much as they can so that the ethanol coming out of that plant has the lowest possible carbon intensity score going forward. Because it makes it it makes it absolutely the most valuable. And, you know, right. Like Jivo, Jivo is building that net carbon zero plant uh, uh, in in South Dakota. It's going to be powered by windmills, this and that. That's great, okay. And they'll be net carbon zero, but their product has to be net carbon zero as well. And that yeah. and that relies on the U.S. farmer. So if you're tired of listening to everybody in the world telling you that prices are going up because because of uh, you know problems in Brazil or or this and that, you know you know where I'm going with this chip. The fact yeah. of the matter is is that you really got to pay attention to some of this stuff and get yourself get yourself uh, somebody to talk to about this because this is going to make the difference rather than worrying about selling the high, uh, you know, via strategy of X, Y, and Z. Yeah, being in the right place at the right time when you can see it out in front of you is is an important right. move. Good stuff, Pete. Thanks, buddy. Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you again soon. Merry Christmas to you and everybody else. Thank you very much. All right, that's Pete Meyer. Muddy Boots Ag. We got a chart update from Kerry Artec next. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on Agritalk. Okay, let's keep this conversation going. Wrap things up here on this Monday afternoon. Great conversation with Pete. Loved it. it, Just such a follow the money. We we went (laughs) from follow the money in the first segment that we talked with Pete to follow the money. In the second segment, when it came to the uh, the incentives on the sustainable aviation fuel, it's logical. Yes, logical just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, all right, let's get a chart update. Carrie Artac, Artac Advisory. How you doing, Carrie? I'm doing great, Chip. Thanks for having me again. You bet. Glad that you are here. Um, don't forget, you can get signed up for a two week free trial. Just go to artacadvisory.com. That's A R. T-A-C advisory.com and get signed up. Get us started with March corn, Kerry. Yeah, March corn. Sound like a broken record here. I've been saying this for months. 460.50. 460 half is our floor of support long-term for the broader corn futures markets. That's a, um, it's a six-year channel structure that was a, a horizontal channel structure uh, that we pushed through in early 21, set off a nice rally, and now we have retraced back down to it. It's been holding nicely the last couple of months. It is our floor of support that above which uh, we remain either A, in the consolidated framework uh, through January, or B, we just might rally to 539 even. And I don't see uh, 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 an indication for 539 even unless we can close above 497 half. So that is our sort of two-sided framework through January. 460 half, floor of support, 497 half is our ceiling. Uh, It is dropping a little bit every week. It is a three-month channel top that sort of defines this consolidation. And if we can close above 497.5 at the end of a week, and I don't see that happening this Friday, but if so, then I see about a one to two-month rally to 539 even, which is about an eight-month channel structure on the weekly chart that could contain buying into possibly through spring. So 497.5, meaningful pivot point upside. Until then, we're still in this consolidation framework on to february lean hogs as you as you know on the show since uh really september i've had a long-term sell signal uh, below the below 7730 that is a that is a eight-year channel structure that we settled below in september setting off a three to five month sell signal down to 5852 now we're a full three four months into that sell signal and trading in the low 70s so you know we're nowhere near to testing 5852 and in fact i could say that over the next, well, really through January, once again, we're in this two-sided framework near term between 
6602 downside and 7467 upside. We're kind of in the middle of that area. Both of those points can contain buying into later January or selling into later January, whatever the case may be. And if over the next few weeks we were to close below 66.02, I see that longer term objective at 58.52 within about three to five weeks where we could bottom out well into next year, like the summer of next year, 58.52 long term support. Inversely, if we close above 74.67, two to three week rally to that 77.30 long term price ceiling where we could top out through winter into spring perhaps and ease back into the upper 50s over the following three to five months. We need to get Get up and over 77.30 for a nice yeah. longer-term buy signal into the upper 90s within about three to five months of closing above 77.30. I would expect 97.5 within about three to five months where we could top out actually into next summer. And finally, March feeder cattle. I've been mentioning on your show now for the last month or two and talking about this three-year channel bottom that actually held the lows in nicely a couple of weeks ago. That's rising every week. Last week was 212.77. This week, 213.47. Three-year channel bottom, able to contain selling through winter and above which 241 half in reach, I'd say by the end of February or sooner. And I think that sooner came last week. I'd mentioned in last week's show that if we close the week last week above 217.40, nothing more than the high of the low week, that is a sign of strength in itself. So I do think 241 half is likely by the end of February or sooner. That is dropping gradually every week, two-thirds speed line, able to contain seasonal buying pressure. So into spring, we could top out from 241 half. And if we can close above 241 half over the next month or two, then that 266, uh, roughly a 30 year channel top that we test in September would be likely again within several months. Now for the downside to finish up with feeder cattle, closing below the 213.47 three-year channel bottom does need to be by a 1% margin for what I would call sell signal reliability, if you will. And that magic number this week is 211.32. So if, if the March feeder cattle contract closes Friday at 211.32 or lower, uh, continued longer-term price erosion, 184.15, likely within two to three months. And by this point next year, I wouldn't be surprised to see 140 even, but not unless we close below that three-year channel bottom that is now at 213.47 and holding and selling pressures nicely the last few weeks. And that's all I got, Chip. All right. All right. Sounds good, Kerry. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. You know, you talk about the the movement in the cattle complex. As quickly as we mm -hmm. came down, an upside recovery can happen in the, the snap of a finger. So pay attention in here, I sure think can. is what I hear you saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely right. Good stuff. Day. Thanks, Kerry. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Uh, Kerry Artec, Artec Advisory. All right. Uh, Davis, let's yes. hop out to the yes. National um, Weather Service 6 to 10 day outlook. The state of Alaska is yeah. a rich, vibrant tapestry of climatological possibility <laughs> and potential. Yes, we watched that heat, that big pink spot that's kind of over the uh, Great Lakes right now over Wisconsin. Yeah. Dude. That was clear over to the left. I've been watching it just sort of yeah. sneak across the country here. Yeah. Yeah. Above normal temperatures expected over the most of the country. Nope. The the southwest US is the exception here, but most of the all of the corn belt is looking at uh, good odds of above normal temperatures. That is for December 24th through the 28th. We've also got the highest odds of above normal precipitation over southern Minnesota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, 
Missouri and Iowa. Uh, but we're looking at above normal precip across the entire Corn Belt. Hop out to the 8 to 14 day. This is December 26th to January 1, 2024. Above normal temperatures over the entire Corn Belt. Near normal precipitation expected over most of the Corn Belt. You got below normal in the southern areas and below normal in the northwest production areas. Thank you so much for listening today. Appreciate it. Come back tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, conversation with NCGA President Harold Woolley. And tomorrow afternoon, Darren Fessler, Lakefront Futures, here on Agritalk.